there is gonna be a week where Wilson comes out and throws four, three or four touchdowns, and they win big, and it's probably not gonna be this week. Brady's mind was just so centered around knowing exactly what was gonna happen on offense. So they don't care what goes on around. I mean, Mahomes did get a big deal for his uh, extension, record-breaking, trend-setting, basically. The Bears aren't a good football team this year, and I don't honestly think it's all Matt Nagy's fault. I think the issue is he's just lost the locker room. Jonathan, I mean, he, he dropped 52 against Buffalo. They're ranked five run defense in fantasy football. All right, guys, let's not kid ourselves. To start my top five, I've got Trevor Lawrence at number one. Welcome to the Dumb, Dumber, and Dumberest Sports Podcast. I'm joined by my friends Gabe. How's it going? And Ricky. Hello! And we'll be talking about the power rankings, playoff picture, and then the matchups for this week. Let's talk about, I don't know, what do you guys think your top 10 would be first? And then we'll go into the power rankings and how it kind of squares up with it. So we starting from 10 to 1, 1 to 10, what would work best for you? Let's do 1 to 10. 1 to 10? Yeah, let's do 1 to 10. I think 1 and 2 are kind of the most simple right now, just because they do seem a little bit better than everybody else right now. I think Arizona and Green Bay are pretty interchangeable for the time being. I feel like they both look really, really talented on both sides of the ball. Special teams are pretty solid, although Green Bay's kicker Crosby's been having a rough year. Three, I feel like you can go with a couple different teams. Tennessee's looked all right. LA's had a rough couple weeks, but they're still really, really good, really, really talented. Tampa, you can't count out just because they have Brady and their defense is picking up a little bit, getting a little bit better. But I would probably go three, I'd go Tennessee. Four, I would probably go the Bucks. Five, LA. Dallas just lost to the Raiders, so that probably shoots them down a little bit. Baltimore, I'd probably go six. Let's see. Dallas, I'd probably go seven. Eight, I'm going to I'm gonna do a dark horse. Eight, I'm going to go New England. Nine, I'll go KC. And ten, I'll go Indy, just because Indy's starting to play really good football right now. You said eight New England or seven New England? Eight New England, nine KC, and ten Indy. Ooh. So you only moved to your favorite team up one. Respect. I did. What do you think, Gabe? Now that I got a good look at it, I think it's definitely Arizona number one because they've only had a couple games where they they barely lost and they've been doing perfectly fine without Kyler Murray. Green Bay at number two, obviously, because they look like the most complete team in the NFC offensive and defensive wise. The Titans are prone to getting beat up by bad teams, but they have beat up on good teams all season, so they'd probably stay at number three. Three, four, and five is pretty close between LA, Tampa, and Baltimore. That'd be your four, but five, I, six, right? Yeah, four, five, six. So I'd, I'd say four is the Rams. Or no, I'm sorry. Four Buccaneers because the Rams have looked lost the last couple weeks. The Rams at five, Ravens at six, and then for seven and eight, I'd have the Chiefs at seven because they beat up the Cowboys. So then I'd have the Cowboys at eight. Have the Patriots at nine because they're really coming into being a good team. And then instead of the Chiefs at ten, I'd put the Bills back in the top ten because they just look dominant against. The Saints, who aren't a terrible team, but aren't a good team. All right, so for mine, there's a lot of it's it's kind of top heavy. I mean, there's a lot of similar records from two to basically ten almost or nine, I'd say actually, because Indy's at six one mark. Other teams are at seven. Uh, I'd say that I think the Packers are number one. I think they're the most complete team. I I know they do have a new snapper and holder or not holder, but a new snapper for Crosby, and they also have. So Darius Smith and uh, I can't remember his first name, but it's King coming back and they haven't played 
I don't think Smith's played a snap this year, and I think King was out after week two or three, or maybe even week one. And their defense is really good as is. Just imagine bringing back two of your probably close to your best players on defense. Two, it would be easily Arizona. They've beaten teams with backup quarterbacks. Definitely Tennessee at three. They do lose to good or lose to bad teams, but they do beat good teams. I think if they just stop playing down to their opponent, even without Derrick Henry, that can make it to the playoffs and might be returning for the playoffs. So they could be a little dark horse for that. Rams, they're seven and three. Dallas, they're now seven and four. I'd say, let's see, we go Tampa four just because they have Tom Brady and freaking really good receivers. They're also injured at that posi- at those positions. Receiver, I don't think AB was back last week, but he's supposed to be back this week. I think Gronk is supposed to be back this week or is questionable as well. And then, so we got Tampa at four. We'll put the Rams at five just because they have looked a little lost these past few weeks, but they've also beaten, I mean, their whole division's really good. So they've beaten good teams this year. I mean, the Seahawks, eh. So KC6, I think KC definitely has found their stride. Putting Chandler Jones back at D-tackle and trading for Melvin Ingram is definitely a great pickup for that team. And the secondary just looked a bit more solid the past few weeks as well. Eight, definitely going to be the Ravens. That roster is probably one of the most injured rosters right now. So with what they're doing with injuries, they're missing running back one and two, maybe even three, I think. Definitely going to put them at eight. And then New England, yeah, I think it's pretty pretty much the regular list from ESPN right here. It's going to be Baltimore, eight, New England, nine. And I'm honestly going to put Chargers at 10. I think the Chargers defense is good. They did have a few woes, but that is also, I mean, they have a really young quarterback, but also a really good quarterback. And Austin Eckler's been out a few games this year. So that would be my top 10. I don't think Indy is quite in there yet. If you don't mind me uh, adding in really quick, that's actually a good point that both you and Gabe made about the Bills, Indy, and uh, the Chargers right there. Is those three teams all seem like they can be number 10, like in a snap? Like those those three teams go out there and can probably compete about, uh, sorry, compete against any of these teams that we just talked about. Like oh, yeah. They're just solid. Easily, easily. I think the Chargers, they just, I think they, did they lose, what was two or three in a row? I think it was two in a row. And then they won this last week. And shoot, like the Bills not being top ten, like that's that's really, really, really crazy because the Bills are just talented everywhere, but they just they aren't playing up to that talent at least so far this year as of now. Definitely missing a running back, and then losing Tre'Davious White last night against the Saints. So that's 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 a very huge one. He's definitely a top five cornerback in the league right now. Because honestly, actually, I want to see what that ten spot because that's a really really debatable one. For yours, I can totally see it happening this week with a lot of people. Dropping Dallas out of the top 10 makes sense because they're, they've are they dropped three of four. But also you got to think that when they are healthy and they've got all those players back, they're probably just going to sneak their way back up into the top 10. But I could totally see dropping them out right now. And then for that 9 and 10 spot, there's just a lot of teams. Like The Patriots are one of the hottest teams in football right now, but you could still drop them out. That's how good it is. Colts, you could drop them out. Chargers, you could put them in there. Bills, you could put them in there. And then after that, really, that's it. Because looking at this ESPN list, the next teams they have there, the Bengals, the Niners, the Browns, I don't think any of those teams are top 10 teams. Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off of that, I think that... I didn't even realize, but the Colts moved up 16 positions. So they went from 26 to 10 this last week. That they're, curb stomping against the Bills was massive for their power rankings. They're also thinking very highly of Jonathan Taylor, which they should be because he's showing that he's the best back this year. He's definitely the reason they hopped up that many spots because of that run game. 
So let's look in the playoffs because it's what well, it's week 12. So six weeks left with the extended schedule or the extended season with one more game. The playoffs are looking looking pretty pretty close. The Colts probably stand the best chance of the teams that are Steelers are five four and one. Colts are six and five. Raiders are six and five. Browns are six and five. Out of those four teams, I'd say the Colts because their defense has stiffened up a little bit and that running game is very powerful. If I had to choose one of the other three teams, the Raiders are probably next. I don't think the Browns will make the playoffs. They are way too inconsistent. And then the Steelers have just don't have a good offense. <laughs> Can't agree with that. Speaking of the Steelers, let's, let's go on that because they're technically ranked eight in the AFC right now. That team would easily be in the playoffs if they were not. They have great receivers. Big Ben just can't extend plays. I'm going to throw out a little bit of a interesting comment here. I think that they'd be better if they started Dwayne Haskins over Big Ben. And you know what's crazy, Helm? They started Rudolph the one week that he was out. And did they put Haskins into that game at all? No. And Haskins was amazing in the preseason. I don't understand what their mindset was. Because I was, I was thinking about that too when they put Mason Rudolph in. Because, I mean, he had a whole year last year. And he's, he's had plenty of chances. And he's just never looked starting quarterback caliber you could say the same for Haskins but Haskins also he was more of a raw prospect just based off he came in kind of like Big Ben good size could break sack it kind of fits like what the Steelers used to be more than what Rudolph would give one of the biggest problems with Haskins has never been talent it's been work ethic so we don't know what kind of work ethic he's had with the Steelers to be honest it could be great it could not be so great we we aren't inside the building so we don't know I mean, he did get kicked out of Washington because he was boasting about his performance in a game where they lost by 20 points. That's true. Which team did you say what you uh, think would make it in? Colts have the best chance of the four teams that are directly out right now. I don't think there's any other direction to go but the Colts. The Raiders, while they did have a great one against Dallas yesterday, they've been on a little bit of a, a downward grade, losing a couple of ugly games to like the Giants. The loss of the Chargers was unfortunate, although it was a pretty good game. And then they uh, pretty nasty ugly loss to the Chiefs which really really hurt I think they're talented they've just had a lot of issues this year the Steelers are an interesting team where I think they're well coached and they have talent the issue being their offensive line is just awful and when you have a really bad offensive line mixed with a quarterback who's just old and can't move it really really hurts your offense which is unfortunate because their first round pick Najee Harris has actually been an absolute stud nothing against him but they just need offensive line help the Colts yeah. on the other hand are really really well built really well coached I think they started off the year really bad because they had a co- new quarterback Come in. I think Wentz has actually been doing pretty damn good for him. He just needed some time to figure out the system, and they're just built to run the ball. They just tell Wentz, go make one or two plays a game, and we'll just run the ball well, and that's what they do. Yeah, Quinn Nelson had an injury last week, correct? He's he might be done for the season. I'm not sure. Yeah, so if they lose Big Q, that offensive line in general is just built really. It's a stout offensive line, one of the best in the league. One thing I got to give Wentz credit for too is. Most teams have a couple guys that are established that you really know their names and you know they're big playmakers, you know they're pretty good. With the Colts, I can't really name a whole lot of their targets. I mean, T.Y. is often on there, but T.Y. is not the same guy he once was. Michael Pittman, I know, who's been having a really good year, but outside of that, I really don't know who he's throwing the ball to. Zach Pascal. Yeah, Pascal. He's uh, their big tight end, basically. Or does he play? They play him everywhere, kind of. Wide receiver, uh, Jack Doyle is their tight end. I think his name's Jack, but I know his last name is Doyle. I have to go with the Colts, though. I think, like you were saying, Ricky, he doesn't really, uh, Wentz doesn't really have many targets to throw to, but they do have a really good offensive line with a running back and Jonathan Taylor that is showing, like, some crazy just games, ridiculous games. And it's like, 
he's now in the debate for best running back in the league. Even I think he'd even be up there. He'd be getting closer if Henry didn't get injured. So, what about the uh, NFC? What do you guys think about like a few of those teams that aren't in it? Do you think any of them will make it in? There's a very good possibility for the NFC because after the first five seeds, it's wide open. I think the first five seeds pretty much have determined themselves with the Rams at the five seed. But then with the Vikings and the Niners as a six and seven seed. And then you have the Eagles right behind them, the Panthers right behind them, the Saints right behind them. It, there's a lot of teams. Out of all those five teams, I think the two playing the best football are the Vikings and the Eagles. So I could see the Eagles passing up the Niners for the seven seed. I got to agree with Gabe on this one. I think... It hurt. I know it hurts you to hear hear this game, but the Eagles recently been playing really good football. Jalen Hurts has been looking better. That run game and that offensive line is actually looking better. I found out they're one of the best rushing teams in football this year, which I would have never guessed with Miles Sanders being off and on out. But they've been having a good year. They're just they're getting better. I I think Philly is going to sneak into the playoffs. Not saying they're going to make any big splashes in the playoffs, but I think they're moving in the right direction to be competitive. San Fran, I just don't trust them. I think it'll be interesting to see how they play next year with Garoppolo gone and Trey Lanson, where Shanahan actually designs everything around Lance. But as of this year, I don't trust San Francisco. Minnesota, to me, is a lot better than the record shows. I think they're the best out of like the six seed and under. I think they're the best team out of all of them. But they just... they they're, I saw a stat... And it said all of their games this year have been decided, or not all of them, I'm sorry, I want to say like 8 out of the 10 or something like that have been decided on the final play. It was some ridiculous stat like that, so it's just crazy to me that Minnesota's only 5-5. Five and five. I, Yeah, I'd agree with that. One thing we have to look into for Minnesota as well is Everson Griffith, because he had, I don't know a lot about the topic because not a lot's been released, but it's he had some social media posts. It seemed like it was kind of like a mental thing. He's refusing to uh, leave his home. Because he's scared people are gonna hurt him. Yeah, let's let's hope for the best right there. So that can that can really hurt their chances. Definitely Kirk Cousins underrated season. He does have two really good receivers and a really good running back. He has Jefferson and Thielen and Cook. If the Vikings had a better record, if they were like seven and three right now, Cousins would be a dark horse guy for MVP. He's having a very good year. It just no one talks about it because it's Kirk Cousins. The the, the issue with how Kirk Cousins has played this year. He doesn't turn over the ball, which is great. He has big play targets, and he makes big plays. But there are just so many moments where it's just so bland. It's check downs and then three and outs on offense. And then it's there's just some games where that's the reason that they've lost. And definitely not a top A-list quarterback. He is a quarterback who can get you to the playoffs. I don't think he's a quarterback who can win you the Super Bowl. Uh, I think he could win the Super Bowl with that team. That team, they, they have so much talent. I mean, he does have a few because the defense is, like I said, they're good. Offense, pretty solid as well. I mean, maybe missing like a tight end. I don't remember who. They, I think they got rid of Rudolph from last year or the years prior. Yeah, he's in New York now. I Yeah, I think definitely the Eagles, make, Eagles will make it. But Kirk Cousins probably having one of the best quarterback years, even the ones mentioned in the top right now, just off of. Touchdown to interception ratio. And with, with this topic of who can make it and all that, there are bigger things that can lead into it that we haven't been able to look at, or maybe you guys have. But matchups against each other, like I see right here, Minnesota and San Francisco are playing each other this week, which is going to have huge implications. I know some of these teams have played each other. I know Philly beat Carolina. I'm pretty sure. Car- I don't know if Carolina's played the Saints yet or if they beat them or not. 
I, I don't know some of these matchups, but I know that that matters a lot. And the Vikings versus Niners this week is going to have big implications because one of them will move to the sixth seed. The other will probably drop out of the playoffs. Yeah, we'll look more into matchups at, and uh, kind of tie that into the playoffs towards the end here. But let's kind of get into some interesting ones, like interesting topics such as who do you guys think is the fantasy football MVP this year? I would say that it is Cooper Cup because he wasn't a super high pick. I don't think. I think he was second or third round still. I think he's on pace to break records in fantasy football this year. Cooper Cup wasn't even coming in as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. If I remember, he was like 14th or 15th, and he's performing at wide receiver one. He's probably going to be set to break the wide receiver fantasy record for points this year. And that wide receiver is such a vulnerable position when it comes to certain wideouts that you need somebody that good who can get you 15 to 20 points a week. But to pick somebody else, I think the obvious choice is Jonathan Taylor because just the last, what, seven weeks he's had a touchdown in every game. He had five touchdowns last week, which is automatically six points a week. And then you add on the hundreds yards he's getting every week. That's that's a lot of points. I hate to be that guy that's indecisive, but I feel like being honest, you guys know it's Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor. It's It's one of the two. It's not even close. The issue is those two guys have put themselves on such a high standard, on such a high pedestal this year, that everybody else is just below them. It's those two. Don't get me wrong. Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor were right there, but Henry got hurt. Taylor's the only one out of those two guys playing. It's, it's Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup. It all depends on what your league value is more. If your league is a PPR league where every catch matters and all those type of things, it's probably Cup. If it's a league where catches don't give you points, it's Jonathan Taylor. I mean, even, like, even for catches, like he's getting roughly probably five targets per game on average somewhere around there like four and a half to five and he's averaging this is a rough estimate it looks like it's roughly just over three i know most leagues that'd be three points i know our league is half ppr because i don't want it to like we don't want it to be too overpowering for just people who get catches and don't get yards yeah i mean i because jonathan i mean he, even, he dropped 52 against buffalo they're ranked five run defense in fantasy football he, he dropped 52 points that's double most quarterbacks that week. To make this debate a little more fun, to move away from the obvious positions, I mean, Nick Folt, kicker one, 14 points, 9 points, 16, 13, 13, 16, 12 points. That really helps your team when you have a number one kicker who's averaging almost 10, 11 points a week. And then for tight ends, obviously, nobody beats Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey just zooms past everybody. And then for defenses, it's a little bit tougher simply because most defenses will – some defenses will have a week where they score 30 points. A lot of defenses have done it this week. But then they'll have points where they just score three or two or one. You never know. Buffalo, the number two defense, had negative four points against Indy and then bounced back with 12 against New Orleans. Those are the type of positions where you could have a true MVP where it's somebody who's constantly scoring. In terms of the overall MVP, it's Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor for co-MVP. Do we believe that Mahomes is still the best offensive player and that uh, Aaron Donald is still the best defensive player? I'm going to say no to both simply because, and not just going off of this year, but Derrick Henry has proven himself to be the most valuable person on the field to any team 
over the last three years. Mahomes has fallen off, but he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But he just doesn't have that shine of standing over everybody like he did. Derrick Henry stands over everybody. And then on defense, Aaron Donald has been quiet this year, but he's still producing. But I do think that Miles Garrett is more, or you know what, not Miles Garrett, TJ Watt is 10 times more valuable to the Steelers than Aaron Donald is to the Rams. And that's kind of a bold take. I want to piggyback off that. I agree. Because if you look at that defense, I mean, Steelers, I think they were missing uh, Minka and TJ last week. Or did TJ? uh, I think he didn't even play. And that defense just looks like straight up nothing. So I would definitely say just because of how much TJ Watt. And there's been games where Minka's been playing, TJ hasn't. And that defense has struggled. So I can agree with that. I think actually I would make TJ the best on defense for mine. And like you were saying with Derrick Henry, he's definitely the best when healthy. But since we're going off of this year and this year alone, I would say that right now it's Jonathan Taylor as well. That they just they run the ball so much and his yards per carry are just ridiculous still. It's above league average for sure. They hand the ball off. Not nearly as much as Henry because Taylor can play more receiving back as well. So he gets the receptions. And Henry's more like Henry has worked on it, but he's not as good or elusive with the ball after the catch as Taylor is right now. I think that's just because of a size thing. I'm still going to say they're probably the best at their positions in football, or they're still the top of their side of the field. Guys have down years and then they come out the very next year and look like monsters. I mean, shoot. If this is the worst Patrick Mahomes is going to play, who knows how good he's going to be. The guy has 25 touchdowns to, what, 11 picks in the year already? He's leading the league in passing yards in a down year. Like, is, he, is he leading the league, or isn't it? Yeah. He's beating he's, out Brady by, like, he's 30 yards. Brady now? Okay. Yeah, and he's second in touchdowns. Granted, he has 11 turn, not 11 turnovers, he has 11 picks. I don't know how many fumbles he's lost. But down year. In a down year, he's second in touchdowns and first in yards. Keep that in mind. He's He's a monster. And I'd like to add, I've seen a stat, this was before the past few wins, over half of his picks were off of dropped passes, or uh, receivers, or hitting the receiver's hands, at least. So that's, exactly. that's something yeah. to look into. And Aaron Donald, that dude gets double and triple teamed every single play. And don't get me wrong, other guys do too, but there is no name on the defensive side of the field that scares opposing offenses like Aaron Donald. That Teams have to base their whole defensive game plan around that guy. And he somehow manages to produce every single year. Granted, this year he's not having the statistical output, but he's still drawing so much attention from opposing defenses that other guys just can go make plays. He's just insane. I think he's still going to end this year with double-digit sacks. I think he's going to turn it around. And he's he's not going to have the year that Miles Garrett is going to have. I agree, Miles Garrett is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. If not, T.J. Watt's in the running. But Donald is just so dominant that even when his statistical output isn't there, he just he makes an impact just from name alone. Yeah, I'd agree. Because like statistically, if you look at it, it's not his best year. But he has been seeing triple teams with chips as well. So basically a quadruple team. And that opens up so much for every other player on that defensive line. And they have talent at every other position now, especially getting Vaughn Miller. And he's still the top-ranked player at on the defensive line in PFF, even without the statistical year. 
I'd like to add one thing about Miles Garrett too, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. He's he's a guy fantastic at rushing the passer, fantastic stopping the run, but he's a guy that can be outsmarted too. I was watching the New England versus Browns game, and they threw like two or three screen passes his way, and he just over pursued on him. He rushed the passer like he always does, and they just threw a screen his way and got te- shoot 10, 15, 20 yards from him. Just because he didn't actually read the play, he just went straight for the passer. And it kind of screwed the Browns in three or four different plays throughout the game. And like what Ricky was saying, to just piggyback off that, Aaron Donald's not having the stats, but you can't just look at stats. It's kind of like if you went to cornerback and you looked at stats, you'd be like, oh, uh, J.C. Jackson, Trayvon Diggs, they're the best. But then you, everybody knows it's, it's Jalen Ramsey because Jalen Ramsey doesn't get the interceptions like that, but... He's just a lockdown corner, and you don't see those on basic stat sheets. It's, it's it's not always about the stats, which is very, very true. Yeah, I'd say that for sure. Uh, let's go to – you brought up – the you have this topic, Ricky. You said, are the Buffalo Bills a soft team? I just want to know what you mean by soft so everybody else knows. It's actually something I saw from a different podcast, believe it or not, and it really, really interested me. So soft can mean multiple different things. Soft as in, do they not have strong leadership? So mentally soft and physically soft. Do they get bullied a little bit on either side of the ball if teams try to do certain things? And then do they let things get to their heads? And this is something I've been looking into since they got, uh, they lost to the Chiefs last year. And was it the AFC Championship game? I want to say it was. Pretty sure it was. And yeah. if you go back and watch that game, actually, Bill's players, I want to say towards the end of the game, started trying to pick fights with the Chiefs players, shoving them around, you know, talking smack, getting in their faces and stuff like that. And that's a sign to me to show a team's mentally soft. If you're getting killed, you don't sit there and try to pick fights. You go out there and you try to make plays. You try to make the game interesting. And that just, stuff like that just goes to show that guys just aren't mentally 100% ready for that next stage. Yeah, so you'd say that they're a soft team, though. Yeah, and then this year I think is a good example of that. Because there's certain, the NFL is an any given Sunday league where teams just can go out and be anybody. But there are certain things about the Bills where you just sit there and you go, this team can get bullied. I think the Colts showed that to perfection. It was a game where you sit there and you go, this is a game the Bills should win. They're more talented almost everywhere. And the Colts just ran all over them. The Colts were, had zero fear of that team throughout the game. The Colts looked more prepared. The Colts looked like they wanted it more the entire game. And... Not only that, but one of the Bills' biggest issues this season has been offensive line, and it looks like they get bullied a lot, especially if the team has a couple guys that can rush the pass through. The Bills do not look like they have the talent to compete against that. Yeah, I'd personally say, like, off of what soft means, I'd say they definitely kind of had their egos, and you can kind of see it. It started, it definitely, you've seen it week one. They, they lost to the Steelers week one pretty bad. So you could see it, like, week one where they just thought, Oh, yeah, we're just going to walk in and beat a team. And that shows kind of poor leadership right there. The leadership should be like, we have to play every Sunday like it's the Super Bowl. We can't look too far ahead or look too far back. So I'd agree with that 100%. I think most of their woes are coming not only the offensive line, because I think they're struggling just because the run game isn't there. When you when you play the Bills, like, what do you think? Like, you're going to go in, they have... Stefan Diggs, uh, breakout year, Dawson Knox, love him for fantasy. <laughs> and they have Cole Beasley, Manuel Sanders, and some speedsters down four and five. So you know 
what they're planning to do. Their plan isn't to come in and even play a balanced game. I think they're just not balanced enough on offense, and I think that's what kills most of their games because teams just play coverage. It's kind of how we've seen the woes with the Chiefs because every team knows the Chiefs, they've been pretty one-dimensional. I mean, they did get Clyde Edwards, Eli back, so it's going to help their offense and just their team in general. It helps with time of possession. It helps with just offensive balance, the defense not knowing exactly what you're going to do every play. So teams could just and still do just kind of sit back in coverage against the Bills. And then, I mean, obviously they have the talent because that talent goes out there and beats teams by just getting separation. They have some really good route runners and speedsters to break off the top. You know, let me add something. I think that's a good point you made. Just really quick. Sorry, just to interrupt real quick. I think it's a really good point you made that I actually didn't make is... The Bills definitely, you, you, everyone can see it. The Bills came into the season very, very entitled, even though they didn't actually win any really big games last year. In a sense, playoff games, I should say. Playoff games. They didn't win, you know, those crazy, they didn't win the AFC Championship. They didn't win the Super Bowl. They got to the AFC Championship, but they didn't win it. In fact, they got curb stomped by the Chiefs, I want to say. So they, they really went into the season thinking they were a lot better than they were, and I think it's they're getting punched in the mouth a little bit right now. So... My reasoning for the Bills just not being a very good, like, standout superstar team, which I guess would mean they are a little bit soft, is I don't know what's going on with Josh Allen this year. He's not playing at a top five level like he did last year. At the beginning of the season, you could see it, whether you were looking through, I I know it sounds weird, but fantasy production from targets or looking at stats, he wasn't throwing the ball to his main guys. Stefan Diggs was not getting a lot of production the first seven or eight weeks. He has of late. The receivers have been going off of late. But Allen just hasn't been playing like he's he has in the past. And he's he tends to get shut down. He tends when he gets punched in the mouth, he doesn't get back up. It happened in Jacksonville. It happened with Cincinnati, or sorry, with Indianapolis. It happened week one with the Steelers. Josh Allen is a good quarterback, but he is not playing at the level of one of the best quarterbacks this season. And that has really hurt his team, especially since their two running backs just aren't good. Zach Moss is a good receiving back, but he's pretty awful at running the ball. And um, is it Dev- Devin Singletary is an okay runner, and he- he's not a good receiving back at all. They just don't add up. Yeah, and even Zach Moss, like he's he's more of a goal line back, honestly. Like it's he he doesn't have the breakaway speed that you need at running back. Uh, he doesn't. He's just I don't know. He's not. They they need another running back. They need somebody who is a star at that position. They just don't have a star because you have to think like most teams that make it to the Super Bowl have a really good run game, whether it be from a running back or a running back and quarterback. And even with Josh Allen, he's been I'm sure he's close to leading their team in rushing. He and not sure in attempts, but he he's the one who bolsters that run game. Let's look into, do you think Patrick Mahomes can ever live up to the title that the media has given him the next GOAT? Because if we're talking in terms of GOATs, Tom Brady is the standard. And the standard before that was six Super Bowls. So what kind of what I'm asking, do you think he'll ever reach that GOAT level? Let's say six Super Bowls. Will he ever live up to six Super Bowls? No. Probably finish around three or four, but he will live up to the GOAT title in terms of how he performs every season. Because, like Ricky said earlier in one of our other questions, Patrick Mahomes is having an off year, 
and he's still up there with everybody in the league, he's going to have much better years to come, and he's going to win multiple MVPs. I'd say probably five or six in his career, and he's going to perform great every year, and that's what the GOAT is. He's just going to be the top player every season in terms of quarterback, obviously. I think that the one thing that's kind of unfortunate for Mahomes and fortunate at the same time is you have to look at what Brady kind of got lucky with when he got drafted. Him and Belichick just were a perfect combo. They just reflected off of each other perfect, and they managed to create a dynasty out of that whole thing just because Brady's mind and Belichick's mind just molded perfect. Mahomes has Andy Reid, and those two are both going to probably end up in the Hall of Fame. Mahomes for sure, Andy Reid like 99% sure. The problem is... Andy Reid isn't a defensive-minded guy, whereas Belichick got lucky that Brady's mind was just perfect for the— not perfect, nobody's perfect, but Brady's mind was just so centered around knowing exactly what was going to happen on offense, mixed with a good offensive coordinator, whereas Belichick got to worry about defense, and he got to master just always having a good defense. Brady always had a good defense in his career. This is going to have to play unbelievable football his whole career to win Super Bowls, because I don't think the Chiefs' defense is ever going to be unbelievable as long as their their head coach is so centered around offense instead of defense. Yeah, I say that that kind of makes what you're saying, like how Brady and Belichick match minds perfectly. Brady's really good at the offense. He knows the helms. But the thing is, he knows how to read defenses really well, too. And also coming into a league, which him and Mahomes are pretty similar in or at, they just want to win. So they don't care what goes on around. I mean, Mahomes did get a big deal for his uh, extension, record-breaking trend setting basically <laughs> for the NFL world it was 10 years around a half a million so just like like you're saying that mindset it's just easy for coaches and quarterbacks with that type of mindset to merge and it helps when Andy Reid is just an offensive guru and is easily in the Hall of Fame after that Super Bowl win because he had some really good years with the Eagles and uh, Michael Vick and even with Alex Smith who's known as more of a conservative quarterback he still had he put uh, Alex Smith in MVP talks basically is what i would like i like that's what i take from it because those two you can kind of like pair up because both of them both quarterbacks want to win both coaches are really good at what they do whether it be brady building a team or not brady belichick building a team and managing it well and just making the offense very interchangeable so the defense could thrive every year and just like how the Chiefs are, I think the Chiefs might be a little bit more restricted. I think that offense does rely a lot on that speed and Travis Kelsey and Mahomes' uh, athletic ability, which will go down, I'm not sure how fast, because he's not really injury-prone. He's only had a few in his, his career so far. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with what you were saying there. All right, so let's see. Let's go on to, will the Jets ever not be in property? All right, yeah. So the, the idea of calling the Jets poverty is simply because they've been pretty dang awful for years. When When's the last time they made the playoffs? It was late 2000s. Pretty sure they lost in the AFC Championship to the Broncos that year, and that was the year that the Broncos went on to beat the Bears. I think that was 2007. Didn't they make it with uh, – I thought they made it with Fitzpatrick one year. Or uh, who else was there? I think their their last year was with Mark Sanchez. It might not have been that year. But it was definitely late 2000s was their last playoff appearance. They've had one 500 season since then, I think. But what is it, the last five or six years, they've finished with six or less wins. And they don't seem to be getting better. They have no stars on defense. No, nobody comes even close to a, a top three player at their position. 
they have possibility. Zach Wilson needs to play a lot better. Obviously, he's a rookie. He has chances to succeed. Robert Sala could do a lot as a head coach. Do I think they'll ever not be poverty? I think it'll be probably 10-plus years before we see the Jets as a top team in the league, and I don't think they come close to even being remotely close to being competitive again. I think there are certain teams in football that have a really hard time building up because they've just been awful for so long. I think Cleveland's a good example. It took Cleveland so long to even get to the point where they're competitive. Cleveland is not a good team right now, but they also aren't a bad team. They are middle of the road. The Jets, they're one of those teams that, you know, free agents don't just flock to because they're really, really good. You know, certain teams like KC, Baltimore, Buffalo now, or Buffalo at the time, like guys want to go to places like that. I think even like Miami, even though they're not a good football team, you know, nice weather places. San Francisco is a good example. Guys want to go there and play. There are certain places that guys just want to flock to and play for because of the weather, because of the coaching, because of the players. And the Jets are just so awful that I don't feel like those big time free agents want to go over there. That mixed with horrible draft picks throughout the years has really screwed them. I think they did a good job with Robert Sala. I know the team isn't great this year, but I think it's a great coaching pickup. I think guys will rally around him. We'll see what happens with Zach Wilson. He's been having a rough rookie year. When healthy, he was playing really bad. But I don't base guys off of a rookie year. We'll see how he plays in two to three years. But uh, I think they just gotta they just gotta keep building. They're they're not gonna be a good football team for a long time. They knew they weren't gonna be. They're they're trying to build it one piece at a time, and it's gonna it's gonna take a while. But we'll see how it ends up. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't think. I don't think that defense really is horrible. They do have really good defensive pieces, at least. Offensive pieces, they are missing in an abundance. They don't... They, I mean, they have Elijah Moore. That's a good starting point. Crowder's not bad for him, uh, but Crowder's never... He hasn't played a full year in so many years, even back to Washington. I just... That team needs a lot of work. It's like you were saying, comparing them to the Browns. Because that team, that franchise was just not good for another freaking 15 to 20 years. Somewhere around there. And now they're just kind of piecing together. They have really good, like, they have a really good offense. Got good offensive line. Defense is solid, just not disciplined enough. I think they're still a little young on defense because they kind of built that later. And they, I think they are one wide receiver away from being, like, a top-tier team that has a chance to win the Super Bowl. I think they're still a good playoff team. I don't think they're going to do much in the playoffs if they make it. Yeah, the Jets, like I said, it's taken. So Gabe was saying their last playoff appearance. I looked it up. It was 2010, like you said. So, yeah, that's they're in the 10, year, 10 years into it, 11 years into it. I think they still need to look towards quarterback. I need. They, I think they need to give Wilson time to develop. If I had to make a smart bet here, I'd say it's probably five to seven years. Just if they want to do it out of draft. Because they won't do it in free agency. And we also have to thank Darrell Rivas for those playoffs. We have to thank Mark Sanchez for those playoffs. We should just thank the butt fumble. If I'm being honest. Greatest play in NFL history, man. Easily. I think this is a good topic. Because I think there's a lot of coaches that aren't good in the league right now. Yeah, which coaches do you think are going to be fired this offseason or need to be fired this offseason and why? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question one more time? Uh, what coaches need to be fired this offseason and why? Ooh, this is a good one. All right, all right. I like this one. I like this one. There are certain coaches where you can just sit there and tell, even if they they themselves aren't bad coaches, and even if they're actually very knowledgeable, they've just lost the locker room, and you just got to move on. I think the obvious one is Matt Nagy. He's been getting just shat on the whole year for just how the whole Justin Fields situation was handled, 
to how the team's offense is playing. They just, the Bears aren't a good football team this year. And I don't honestly think it's all Matt Nagy's fault. I think the issue is he's just locked the locker room and he's just scrambling to do anything. I think that's the big one. I think the Giants with Joe Judge, I don't like Joe Judge. I think he's pretty awful. In his defense, he has Daniel Jones and that itself is awful. So those are two big ones that I think. And see, honestly, it, it would probably hurt them to hear this, but I think Pete Carroll with Seattle, I think Pete Carroll's very lucky with the team he was basically handed when he started. I mean, he's, he's had Hall of Famers on both offense and defense all throughout his career. I don't think he himself is a very good coach, though. I think Seattle would be better to move on from him. And those are the three that I can think of just off the top of my head. Sit down and take notes because I got names to say, baby. He's going to say Mike McCarthy. I already know this. Matt Nagy, of course, off to start. I mean, you have a top 10 wide receiver in Allen Robinson, and he's turned into nothing this year. Something has gone wrong. Things like that, when you have a star who isn't a star anymore because he's just not getting the ball, that does not sit well in the locker room. And that shows me that that team does not like Matt Nagy. In fact, he was rumored to get fired after the Thanksgiving game. Those weren't true, but I mean, he's the only one who's been rumored to get fired so far. So that just tells you where he is. He's at the top. Like Rick was saying, the Giants, when I saw that they fired Jason Garrett and saw that they replaced him with Freddie Kitchens, it made me realize just how bad the Giants coaching staff is because those are all failed head coaches. Jason Garrett had one or two good years, but he's not. He's he's an average coach, probably worse than average. And Joe Judge doesn't have anybody to back him up. He has he ha, he has caught a bad beat. He has caught injuries on offense, especially to his star player, his best player on the field. But Daniel Jones isn't getting any better, which means that the coaching isn't helping him. And they went from having a top five defense last year to having a top fifteen defense this year. It's just things are changing. The coaching just isn't there. Players retired in the off season because they didn't like the way he coached. Even the preseason, they signed some and they and they retired. Yeah, uh, Joe Looney, who came over from Dallas, he just he immediately said no like a week after getting signed, and then another lineman retired right after him. I think Joe Judge is the worst coach in the NFL right now. Another one, Chevy really called me on it. I don't think Mike McCarthy is, is the right fit in Dallas. He won't get fired. He should get fired. Kellen Moore should be the head coach. Kellen Moore calls all the plays. He's the reason that Dallas's offense is so good. Mike McCarthy is terrible at handling the clock. He just sits there and he hopes that things go right. And when they don't, he just gets mad and yells at the refs. That's all I see of him in the games. He does not help the team at all. I think Brian Flores has lost Miami. He's a great coach. He'll probably do great somewhere else, especially after they went 11 and 5. And now they're, what, 4 and 7? Yeah, they're 3 and 7. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. A lot of the bad teams in the league have new coaches, so you got to really stay away from them. And then there are some coaches that are obviously just too good to get fired. I think those guys are the guys who deserve to be at least on the hot seat. It's interesting. I really do like that Cullen Moore uh, statement. I think that's going to be an interesting thing because I I could see them doing that because he's one of those offensive-minded gurus, and I don't think Mike McCarthy fits either. So that's who I'll start with on my list is Mike McCarthy because that he just I don't, I don't even know what he does there, man. Like he just yells at them basically, like you're saying, doesn't do much, just kind of tells them the game plan, and then the defensive coordinator runs the defense. The yeah, offensive Dan, coordinator. Dan Quinn's been doing good this year. Yeah, he's the reason that they're doing better, not Mike McCarthy. I think, yeah, exactly. Like you said, Dan Quinn has, I mean, drafting someone like Micah Parsons helps a lot. But yeah, I think Mike McCarthy needs to go. Let's see, we got, yeah, Flores, Brian Flores down in Miami. I think Flores locks that locker room. Then we have Joe Judge easily. That whole coaching staff just needs to be blown up. I mean, there's some people you'll keep just because they're they're actually decent. But starting with Garrett, that was a good one. Kitchens needs to go. He didn't do anything in Cleveland after the first year. And I would say 
just similar to that situation with the locker room not green. No, he is a first-year head coach, but I think Myers, like we've seen early in the year that they just that team laughed at him. I don't think he has the respect of any players on that team. And I've seen a lot of Niners fans saying that they want Shanahan out too. I've been seeing Niners fans saying they want Shanahan out. And I personally think my Pete Carroll needing to be out one is pretty interesting. Not saying it's the the most obvious coaching decision or decision to fire him. But I think those two are pretty interesting to talk about. The Vikings might need to depart from Mike Zimmer soon simply because he just can't get him to the promised land. And it might be time with an offense that's that young and so much stuff you could do with them to get a fresh young mind in there. Somebody kind of similar to what other teams have done where they brought in these young guys who have worked under old NFL coaches for so long, and then they come in and they just know what they're doing. It might be time for Minnesota to move on. All right, top five rookies. I think the obvious number one, Gabe, you'll like this answer, is Micah Parsons. He's been everything and more that the Cowboys wanted. He was that guy that everyone knew dropped a little bit because he quote-unquote had some personality and attitude problems in college, but if they could figure it out, he was just going to be a stud, and he's exactly that. They haven't had any personality or attitude problems with him yet, and he's been a monster since day one. He's really, really good. Numbers two through five are a little more interesting. I feel like there's a lot of guys you can kind of interchange. Rashawn Slater for the Chargers has been huge. Justin Herbert's offensive line last year was pretty garbage. And you can see what he's doing this year and what the team's doing this year with an improved offensive line largely due to Slater. They're much improved. They might not be a playoff team yet, but if they aren't a playoff team, they are, I mean, damn close. I mean, three, Cincy, once again, you can see how good Cincy got just because of Jamar Chase. I mean, the dude is a monster. He's going to be an insane wide receiver when he gets into his prime. Everybody hated on Cincy for that pick. I think Jamar Chase and the Bengals has proven a lot of people wrong, even some of us. Like, because I didn't really agree with it because that offense line was terrible, but they've made it work somehow. Yeah, so I said Jamar Chase was three, correct? Yeah, you have him three behind Slater. Number four, I'd have to actually agree with you, Gabe, and I would put Najee Harris at four. If Harris had a good offensive line, he would probably be number one or two. Like, he. He does everything. He is so good as a rookie. It's it's actually stupid how good he is. I'm a huge Najee Harris fan. I'm a huge fan of his work ethic. I like his attitude. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. I think with the, with the way he plays his style, I think he's going to be Saquon Barkley without the injuries. I mean, I think he's that good. Unfortunately, for number five, I really, really wanted to put another offensive lineman, but I think that the rookie year Mac Jones is having mixed with the wins. I'm going to put Mac Jones five, and I'm going to put Creed Humphrey right under him at six. I think it's really close. I think you can interchange him. Humphrey is really, really good center for the Chiefs. That was a fantastic pick for him. But Mac Jones' his completion percentage, he's about to break the record for the best completion percentage by rookie quarterback ever if he continues up what he's doing and that just that's that's something you can't overlook i'm looking at this list and it's like i'm looking we have javante or yeah javante williams is ranked above according to nfl Najee harris and kyle pitts although he has had a good few or a good past couple games he still hasn't been as consistent as other rookies kyle pitts has one touchdown this season and he does not have a lot of a lot of targets left on his team yeah, that is very true with what Calvin Ridley's out with some... He t- he stepped away from the team with some mental health stuff. Cordell uh, Patterson has been injured for the last couple weeks. Yeah, he's been out two weeks, I think, right? Yeah. To my top five, definitely Parsons won. And he rarely makes mistakes for a rookie, which is surprising. I don't know, he's kind of unorthodox at that position because he can... I mean, yesterday I was watching... When, we when I was watching the Raiders game, there was a play he definitely shouldn't have went inside on his uh on the tackle 
and he still made the tackle for a loss. He was drafted as an inside linebacker, and he's already set the rookie record for the Cowboys for sacks over to Marcus Ware. Yeah, Hall of Famer. He, he, he's probably going to be in the defensive player of the year. Oh, uh, you might know, Gabe. I'm sorry to interrupt. How many sacks does he have in the year? Is it eight? He's at nine now. He just yeah, broke nine. the record and got nine. I, I would like to note that nine sacks for an edge rusher as a rookie is a fantastic year. This guy plays inside and out. He does everything. Once again, perfect example of a guy who's kind of a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Literally, he's, just, he's that good. Yeah, so Parsons won, Chase two, obvious reasons we already went all over all those, we nobody really expected it. He's having a monster year. He looks like he's going to be one of the best wide receivers in the league for years to come. And then I would go Roshan Slater will be at three. That offensive line has flipped over a complete 180. They have also, I think they also added, his name is Lindsay or Lindsay was the Packers center. Corey and, Lindsley. Yeah, Lindsley. There we go. Yeah, he's helped that team. Pitts is having a good year. I just don't think he's met expectations. And I think there's other players that are better than him. So I'm going to put Najee Harris at four. Like right here, it says he's providing a great, powerful, and physical run game, which is also helping the passing game with that really bad offensive line. He's only one of the three players with 500-plus uh, rushing yards and 250-plus receiving yards this season. That's in the whole league, not just rookies. He's doing it with a terrible offensive line, too. Yep, that off. You can't, you can't even understate that. That offensive line is so bad. That's why Big Ben's not doing good. That's why that, in my opinion, the team's not doing good. <laughs> That's another team that should have probably went offensive line instead of running back, but they at least know they have a running back now. Now they have to find an offensive line. But the Steelers, unlike some of the other teams with bad offensive lines, they actually have a pretty good, like, they can get people in free agency pretty well. There's the really Steel City coach. will bring in players, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a historic franchise. Uh, number five, it's just tough. I, I'd, you got to go Max Jones just because they're leading their division with the rookie quarterback. He's not putting up crazy touchdown numbers with us because of drops. Like, there's been, I, I've heard from a great source, the source might be here, that there's a lot of drops in the end zone. He's efficient, really accurate, doesn't turn the ball over much, does exactly what he needs to do, do to win, and that's really rare for a rookie quarterback. I'd like to add on about Mac Jones real quick. Coming from Gabe here, who's a Cowboys fan, in that Patriots-Cowboys game, Gabe literally texted me and said, hey, you guys found a good piece in Mac Jones. He looks really good. So coming from a guy who's on, who is a fan of the other team hearing that, you know you probably got a good pick. Yeah, the, the simple fact that Mac Jones, if you look at some of his games, you destroyed Cleveland. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard to just beat Cleveland to death. Top defense. In. Yeah, it's really hard to be any team to death, let alone a team that has talent. Yeah, yep. and then you, you you literally went toe-to-toe with the Cowboys in a week where their offense was rolling. That just shows how good your quarterback can be because he's young. He had that offense almost – he single-handedly almost had that offense keeping up with one of the top offenses in the league. He's definitely shown that he can play. play he's definitely playing the game manager role right now. And don't get me wrong. He's playing it really well. For a rookie quarterback, he's playing the game manager role about as well as you can expect a rookie to. But you can't put him above the other guys, in my opinion. Even coming from a Patriots fan, those other guys have been playing their positions better than I think he has. Not to knock him, but I think those other guys have been playing their roles better than he's playing his role. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, guys, let's not kid ourselves. To start my top five, I've got Trevor Lawrence at number one. No, okay, yeah. Micah Parsons is number one. 
simply because I don't know if you guys would disagree with this, but I think he's locked up defensive rookie of the year up to this point because nobody else is catching up and he's not slowing down. If you look up the stats, you could also very much consider him not a front runner, but maybe fourth or fifth or sixth in the defensive player of the year category because I saw a stat. I don't know where it was from. It might not be true. I think it was true that the uh, the highest pressure rate by a qualified player is Miles Garrett with what I think was like a 72%. Micah Parsons doesn't have enough attempts to qualify for that, but he also has a 72% pressure rate flying off the ball. It's ridiculous. And what you were saying, Shev, about when you saw that play in the Raiders game where he was literally his gap, his zone was the outside of the left the left tackle Mm -hmm. and he just ran right through the center into the other gap and tackled the running back that takes immense speed and concentration parsons is just a different breed right now number two like you guys said to keep it going jamar chase simply because as he started off he was running away with offensive rookie of the year he was set to break records for rookie receiving yards and rookie receiving touchdowns he slowed down because the entire Bengals team is slowed down based off his production this year he's still a top 10 wide receiver this year he's not a top 10 wide receiver in talent yet but he will he definitely will for you in a couple years maybe even next year he could have the same progression rate as Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb or he could have a faster one number three I guess it'd have to be Rashawn Slater I wanted to go with one of the two linemen so i know creed humphrey they have him at seven on this list we're looking at but i've seen other lists where he's number one simply because he's really been good at center for the chiefs rashawn slater has made a complete difference on that offensive line and it's it's incredible yeah it's uh (laughs) it's uh He's just changed the way because their their offensive line was not sure i think they were ranked in the 20s not bottom of the league but darn near close and He's made a huge difference, especially at, I don't know if he's playing right tackle or left tackle, but if he's playing left tackle, that's amazing because that's the hardest position to play on the O-line. In terms of number four, Najee Harris, he's been completely different. He's the reason that that Saints offense, or not Saints, sorry, Steelers offense has any type of breathing. They would be awful if they had somebody like James Conner back there still like they did last year. Najee Harris, that's all I have to say. He's the power, power horse of that offense. And then Mac Jones at number five. Fits perfectly. Best quarterback in the draft as of right now. He has a great future because he has a good team around him. They're pretty young. Great defense. And he's got the best coach in the game backing him up. This one I thought was actually really interesting. I don't know if you guys will find it as, in- as uh, interesting, but they're doing a big discussion on Mac Jones and stuff like that. And they're all sitting at the table. And they said, if the Patriots had the number one pick, who would they take? If they knew what Mac Jones was doing now. If they had the number one pick in the draft? Yeah, if they had the number one pick in the draft, if they, with knowing what they know Mac Jones is doing right now, who are they taking? Well, I don't and, know, because you got to think, like, Trevor Lawrence, bro. I, on every talent. single person at the table said Trevor Lawrence. Not a single person said Mac Jones. So I'm just interested to see what you guys think. If he had, because he doesn't have much talent there. Like, he has Denard Robinson. I mean, Marvin Jones is pretty good. He's a little bit older, though. DJ Chart is all right, but he's been in and out with injuries. Coaching is not the strong suit there. I think that, like, I would say, I'd say Trevor Lawrence. Because he's just your prototypical quarterback. It's tough because obviously the the choice is the front runner is Trevor Lawrence for that conversation. But what are the small chance that they want to run a different type of offense and go with Justin Fields? Have a quarterback who is mobile for you. I know that's not the type of offense that Bill Belichick is good at working with. We saw that with Cam Newton. But what like what are the chances that you take a 
quarterback that can run and can throw and you build your offense around him i'm gonna be honest mac jones has been playing great i think the offense would be better with justin fields at quarterback it sounds crazy but with the right system around him and how he's doing i think they could have done better that's interesting all right i don't know about that one I, i i think the the obvious choice is trevor lawrence i think nine out of ten people would pick trevor lawrence yeah, those, those are some good points. I think Trevor Lawrence is the obvious choice. It hurts me to say, but he's just physically way more talented. There's way more potential there just off of a, a physical standpoint. doesn't mean he's mentally as smart, but just physically, if you're going for a guy that you think is going to be that monster superstar for years, yeah. All right, so let's, uh, let's finish this off with the matchups coming into this week. So we already seen three of them. The Bears beaten the Lions. You know, you never know because the Bears are hit or miss. The Lions are just miss. So that, that was a good bye week for the Bears. Uh, the Raiders beating the Cowboys. Uh, and then we had the Bills blow out the Saints 31-6. to But the first game would be the Titans versus Patriots. I'm pretty worried about this game. I know Tennessee came out flat against Houston, but that's one of those teams that always just seems to play us really well. doesn't matter how bad they are. doesn't matter how good we are. That's just one of those teams that always matches up against us well, especially ever since they got Vrabel. Vrabel is a phenomenal coach to me. I think he gets, I mean, every last drop of talent out of that team, especially since he came from the Belichick tree. I think that helps a lot. I think on paper, we're about as talented as each other. I think the Titans on paper, just like New England, they aren't, you know, one of those top five teams in terms of pure talent, but they just, all those guys just know how to play, what to play, and when to do it. Since it's at New England, I'm a little, little happier. I think, I think the spread said we were supposed to win by six. I think it's a massive spread. Yeah, so I, I have the spread pulled up. This is from about five or six hours ago, so it could have changed a little bit. I don't know which teams might have, but it is six and a half. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive spread for teams that, to me, are pretty pretty similar in talent. I got New England winning. I got I think I had 20 to 17 New England. How confident am I in that? I'd say barely over 50%. Titans just play. They play to their talent. They play to their opponents, really. Like, we've kind of seen it against their three losses are against worse teams. So I'll say that I think it'll be a close one. I think the Pats will win 24 to 20. No, 28 to 24. If I had to pick a score real quick, I'd say the Titans are probably going to bounce back after getting embarrassed last week. I'd say Titans 24, Patriots 21, something along those lines. Uh, let's see. Next up would be the Jets versus Texans. The spread is in favor of the Texans by two and a half. They're going to lose by 14. The Jets are going to come out and just blow the gates off of them. Elijah Moore has been popping off. Zach Wilson's going to be back. And I think they're just going to come out and they're going to shoot the doors off of them. Now, the Texans are a bad team. They've won two amazing games, but I just think the Jets are going to bounce back. And with one of their receivers playing super hot right now. between It's it's a tough one between the Jets and the Texans. They're both pretty bad for different reasons. Tyrod is back and Wilson is back. I, th- I think the Texans, I don't, I don't think Wilson is going to do good after being out. Or was it two or three weeks? Four, wasn't it? Four to five. I think it was four. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. Texans are winning that. The Texans just intercept intercepted Ryan Tannehill four times. What's Zach Wilson gonna do, bro? Eight. That's all I'm saying. So let's go to the Eagles versus the Giants. This is kind of a game that Gabe might want to watch because if the Eagles win, they're still six and six, which is two games behind, maybe three games behind the Cowboys. One and a half. Oh yeah, the Cowboys haven't had their bye week. Or no, the Eagles haven't had their bye week. 
Eagles win. Hurts is playing good. Uh, Giants don't know what they're doing on offense. Uh, defense is just not the best either. That's what I think. Uh, it's definitely a trap game. The Giants have Saquon back. Um, they always play good defense against anybody in the NFC East except for the Cowboys, apparently. I think that their defense will show up because it's a division game, and I think Saquon's going to make the difference. The Eagles, they've been popping off. They have not been playing the best of defenses, and the Giants have the potential to be a good defense, and I think a division game would help them prop that up, plus Saquon being back. I think the Giants will squeak out maybe a three, four-point win. I think the Giants, or not the Giants, I'm sorry, I think the Eagles won by 10. I think Hurts is playing better and better, and I think Devontae Smith is improving each and every week. I think they're offensively, they're rolling. All right, let's go Colts versus Bucks. The spreads, three, favorite Bucks. I think it will be probably the Bucks, and the spread will be pretty close to what it says because the Colts are hot, but the Bucks are just a better team. I think, honestly, this could be the game of the week, man. The Colts are rolling, and the Bucks just have weeks where they don't look good, and then they have weeks where they look really good. This this game could be really, really interesting. I think this game could really could go either way. I think that's a really good spread for it. Is this game at what? Who's at home this game? Uh, Andy is. I'm gonna go upset. I think Andy beats him. I think Jonathan Taylor's gonna have another monster week. He was with the Buck once again. The Bucks defense, especially against the run, is really really good. I think I think Jonathan Taylor's gonna have another huge week. And I think if one's gonna avoid turning over the ball, I think Brady will turn it over once or twice this weekend. I, I got that as my upset. I got Colts by three. Believe it or not, I think this game heavily favors the Colts. The one factor is the Colts need to get turnovers. I don't know what it is with Brady. He is such a masterful player, but if a team gets into his head and he's not completing passes and he turns over the ball, he gets really frustrated early. And if the other team has somebody like Jonathan Taylor who can get the time of possession to maybe 25, 30 minutes for the Colts, that game is over. I think the Colts can beat the Bucks, and I think they will. And I don't, I'm, this one might be a little bit out there, but I don't think it'll be close. I think they could win by 10. Interesting. We'll, uh, we'll move on to the, oh goodness, the Falcons 4 and 6. <laughs> Versus the uh, two and eight Jaguars. <laughs> I guess if you're a Jaguars fan, you're kind of hoping to lose them where you secure the first pick. Because I mean, I, yeah, you got to beat out the Texans for that one. They ain't securing <laughs> the Lions. Pick. They got to beat out the Lions. Actually, yeah, the Lions won that <laughs> one. You'll get the second pick, maybe. Nah, in all seriousness, the Falcons are gonna win. They're just better. Jaguars. They can surprise us though, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do win. But I, I have to take the Falcons. I'd say that the Jaguars would win simply because I think they could come out with more offensive explosiveness than the Falcons. But at this point, I think they might be tanking again. So I'm going to say the Falcons in a really crappy game, maybe 16 to 13, or maybe a little bit higher. 23, 20 is a not fun game to watch. I got another upset game. I think Jacksonville is going to win this game. I think it's going to be the first game where Trevor Lawrence looks like the number one overall pick. It's that defense. He could. Yeah. I think, I think the Falcons, I think the Falcons are a uh, shitty, sorry, crappy enough team where I think this is, if, if there's going to be any game where urban Meyer actually comes up with a game plan, that's not awful. And Trevor Lawrence has a game. That's not awful. It's this week, especially after losing 25, nothing last week to new England. I don't think Atlanta's the most confident team in the world right now. So I think Jacksonville has a chance this week. Yeah, and if you take into account the last week, the last two weeks, Atlanta has been outscored, what is it, 68 to 3. You kind of need to come in here and score points if you're Jacksonville. I'd agree with all that. I didn't even think about the Falcons going through three quarterbacks last week. 
we have the Panthers with Cam Newton, who is back, as he stated, and the 3-7 and seven Dolphins. The Panthers are going to win, and they're going to go. So the spread's two points. They're going to beat them by way more than two. I think it's going to be like eight to ten points. Did, was the game last week not the win over the Ravens? It was. Okay, yeah. No, so no, no, no. Last week, the Ravens no. played uh, the Ravens played Chicago last week. Oh, yeah, they did, right. and they looked like right. crap. So the Dolphins probably lost this last week, unless they had a bye week. But they no, had... the Dolphins played the Jets, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they just beat the Jets because they... I mean, they, the looked, Jets. They, they looked bad against the Jets, though. So, actually, you know what? It doesn't matter if they beat the Ravens. They looked bad last week against one of the worst teams in the league. The Panthers will take care of them easily, probably by 10, 10 plus. So yeah, five four and one Steelers against the six and four Bengals. Bengals win, but I did hear TJ Watt was back in practice, and I think he could be a game changer. It's a division game, so it's gonna be close. But I think the Bengals win it. If TJ Watt plays, the Bengals win by less than seven points. If he doesn't, the Bengals win by more than ten points. Najee Harris is not enough to keep up with the Bengals offense. Especially if there's no defense to counter the Bengals' offense. Yeah, and I'd definitely say that. I forgot they had a big, big week last week against the Raiders. I think this game is going to be another. Re- I think this is going to be a really, really good week of football. To be honest, I think a lot of these games are going to be. There's a really lot good. of division games and a lot of I like this, big NFC yeah. matchups. Definitely, I think this is going to be another really killer game. I actually believe it or not, I think this one's going to be a shootout. I think Big Ben's going to have a really good week. I think him and Burrow are probably going to combine for four or five touchdowns. I. Since he since he killed him last time they played him, if I recall correctly, right? Against the Steelers, right? Steelers? I'm pretty sure they played the Steelers really well. I want to say like week two or three, right? Yeah, it was a uh, week. They beat him 24 to 10. Yeah, 24 to 10. It was week three. Yeah, so it wasn't 17. a blowout, but it was 14 point win. Yeah, it was a 14 point win. I will say the Steelers are a much improved team from what they were in the very beginning of the year. Not saying they're great, but they're good enough to compete with almost any team, I'd say. Offensively, they aren't uh, they aren't explosive, obviously, but I think they have the coaching behind them to where they'll keep up with Cincy. I think Cincy, if Cincy wins, it's by, shoot, two or three. Yeah, uh, looking at it, honestly, the Bengals like to play to their opponent. It's going to be close to that spread for sure. Just to kind of go off of all the games going on, to me, there's like three different games, three or four different games that could really be the games of the week. Like just looking at it right here. Yeah, I think we have one coming up. Uh, the Chargers versus the Broncos, but they're solid. They have a good secondary for sure. And the Chargers, it's a division game. There's so many division games. It's a division game, so it's going to be a close one. The spread is in favor of the Chargers. Minus two and a half, I would say Chargers. As a Cowboys fan, not very happy with the West right now. So <laughs> going to beat the Broncos by less than seven. Cowboys haven't had a good record against the AFC West. They are one and three. They beat the Chargers. That is it. I think LA has this game. I think LA is more talented, almost all around, outside of maybe just a couple positions. But I, if I'm if I'm a Chargers fan, this is one of those games I'm not nearly as worried about as some of the others. I think they win by a touchdown. Then we have a big game. We have Vikings versus the 49ers and these two are both on the bubble right now i think they're both inside of it though the vikings are the sixth seed the niners are the seventh kind of pivotal game just in the nfc in general just to note both those teams are five and five so i hate to say it hate the niners i don't think garoppolo is worth what he was paid but i think he's playing better than quite a bit of quarterbacks in the league right now just off of the past few weeks if we're looking at it they're pretty hot I'd say the Niners win it, especially with the Vikings missing Everson Griffin. No, I'm going to go the completely opposite way. 
I think the 49ers have had some injuries at cornerback. Their defense has been a little hurt. Things are a little rough as they're trying to get their pieces back together. The Vikings will take the top off of the Niners and probably win by 10 plus. Niners offense, as good as it is, as good as a offensive mind that Shanahan is, it's not enough to keep up with the Vikings. They don't have a better quarterback. They don't have better wide receivers. They don't have better running backs. It's not close offensive wise. I think the Vikings win this game also. Like I've said, I think the Vikings are way better than their 5-5 five and, rec- five and five record shows, and I think they get above 500 this week. Like I said, Cousins is having a fantastic year. Don't get me wrong, he still has his Kirk Cousins moments, but this is easily, as of now, the best season he's ever played, and I think it's going to continue. I think he's going to throw two or, three, two, uh, sorry, two or three touchdowns this week. I hope he does, and I hope all two or three of them are to uh, Justin Jefferson. Rams versus Packers. The- this is, like you were going to say, the game of the week. This is it's definitely... Well, I think it'll just be in general. I think it's going to be a really good game. Packers' defense is solid. They did just lose to the Vikings, but the Vikings do have a good offense. A division game, too, so. I just don't think... I think the Rams' offense changed too much because they did lose Robert Woods to the ACL, and I don't... OBJ's not going to fill in that same role. He's not the same player. I think the Packers win it, and I think the spread's pretty solid. Hear me out. So you guys might think this take is really bad, but think mm-hmm. about the last couple of Rams games, right? They have played very poorly against the Titans, and they played very poorly against the Niners. I think the Packers win this game maybe 24 to 10, 21 to 10. I don't think it's close. I think the Rams get shut down again, and people are going to start to question how they play. Well, I have Matthew Stafford on my fantasy team, so I'm hoping he goes out in balls. But shoot, this is going to be a hell of a game, I think. I think McVay is going to come out with a better plan. I think Stafford's going to play better. I think he's had a rough couple weeks. He's pretty inconsistent. That's how Stafford's always been. But we'll see, man. It's going to it's gonna be a good game. Rodgers isn't 100% healthy. He's got that COVID toe he keeps talking about. And I think Stafford's going to throw a touchdown or two this week, hopefully. I, I got the Packers winning by probably four, but I think it'll be a good game. Don't forget, this is Matthew Stafford's chance to get revenge on the team that bullied him for so many years. The Browns versus the Ravens, it's a division matchup. You'd hope the Browns are good. I mean, they always play better without OBJ in, so... I mean, I have Nick Chubb. He's going to get a couple touchdowns. I already know that. Lamar Jackson's back this week, right? Uh-huh. Or is he still out? I think he's practiced. I believe he's practiced, and if he yeah. has practiced, he's going to be playing, and the Ravens will win. That team is just Ravens, QB, Lamar Jackson have no status and will play. Same for Baker Mayfield. No status, but will play? Yeah, no, they have no status, so they're not even questionable. They will play. Oh, yeah, the Browns will lose. Baker's not going to win it for him. Who's their backup? Case Keenum. Case Keenum has a better chance. Ravens are going to win by a lot. <laughs> it's that that simple. The Browns have gone through too much. I don't know what's wrong with them. Maybe it's the fact that they lost Kareem Hunt, and that's the real reason why they've been playing bad and not the whole Odell thing. I don't but, really think it's that, though, because you got to think, uh, what's his first name? Dearness Johnson. He's They have good backs. I don't think that's it. I don't know what the issue is, but I know that the Ravens aren't going to be too happy about playing two bad teams and playing really bad back-to-back weeks, even though they went one-and-one in that time. I think they're just going to they're gonna curb stomp them. Lamar's going to have over 100 yards rushing. I think Lamar's going to come out and have a really good week. I think that if the Ravens had another one or two, he'd probably be top three in the MVP voting. I think this year he's shown that he's a phenomenal passer along with a phenomenal runner, and I think Cleveland is just on a downward spiral. I got Baltimore by 10. So the Seahawks, 3-7 and seven in Washington, 4-6. and six. Uh, Washington has lost Jamar Chase, or 
not Jamar Chase, uh, Chase Young, <laughs> to his CL, I believe, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so that's not good for that defensive line that's been not playing as well as last year. Heineke has been balling. Washington's going to win. I just don't I don't believe in Seattle. I don't, I don't think their defense is good. I don't think their offense is good. I don't think Russ is healthy 100%. There is going to be a week where Wilson comes out and throws four three or four touchdowns and they win big and it's probably not going to be this week because I still think he's injured but Washington just has enough on offense Antonio Gibson has been very disappointing off of last year Terry McLaurin has not got the production that he got last year because of Taylor Heineke Heineke has been good enough just not great so the offense is like Heineke just good enough to beat Seattle but Washington isn't going to even sniff the playoffs not in that division Seattle sucks, dude. <laughs> they're they're bad. And partially, like I've said earlier, I think it's partially coaching. I don't like Pete Carroll. A lot of their winning is because of the players, not because of the coaching. And I think they get out coached this week. I got Washington by probably five or six. So we're going to end it there. We have Dumb, Dumber and Dumbest signing off.